Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage in a half-hour version starting at a new time of 7.30am. Veteran journalist and commentator Harvey Stockwin has been providing sharp and witty political analysis on his programme Reflections from Asia for nearly 18 years. He's been my partner in crime throughout as we started at a similar time. Harvey's taking an indefinite break from the programme and I'll fill in with an extended programme. I'd like to thank Harvey for his erudite analysis and Asia political education. Give a few more press conferences in places where such conferences can still be freely... Western states should defend free trade and information with the same kind of rules as those they used to... ...president, during which the provisional government gave no foreign... We can bring to reality the goals and ideals that our people have incessantly been seeking for more than a 100 years and can bring a brilliant new chapter to Chinese civilization. Unquote. Veteran commentator Harvey Stockwin. On today's Hong Kong Heritage, I start with a walk with David Bellis of the Hong Kong history website Gwulo.com. Gwulo, G-W-U-L-O, means old things in Cantonese. Do take a look at his website. It's full of interesting Hong Kong items and old photos. David will take me down Lugard Road, built around 100 years ago, as a beautiful promenade for those seeking a breeze and great views. Then artist Lorette Roberts tells me about her sketching inspirations before David and I discuss something very inappropriate, the Hong Kong post box. But first, I join him on the peak. Yeah, so today we're going to go on that, that typical thing you do in a tourist visit. You take him for a walk along Lugard Road. So just a few things you can point out as you go along. To start with, we've got a, a photo here from about 1900, and it's showing the area around the, the peak tram terminus. We've got the tram terminus in the background with steam and smoke billowing out. This was the big old boiler house. The old Peak Hotel in the background, of course, long gone. That's roughly where the gallery is now. But down here in the foreground, we've got a little mat shed hut and a post box, both of which are, are basically here today. So the, the mat shed shelter was for the chair coolies, they were called. In the background, you can see all the men waiting with their sedan chairs so the workers would come up on the peak tram and then they'd hop onto their sedan chair and be carried home. And it was seen that that was a pretty nasty place to be set out, either in the sun of the summer or the rain or whatever. So they started off by building this mat shed shelter. And then a few years later, it was replaced with a stone shelter. And that stone shelter, shelter is still here today. It's the, the peak lookout now. It used to be oh, the peak cafe. Right. Mm, same, same building. It's lasted very well. It's a very attractive building. It's great, isn't it? And it's got the old sort of Chinese-style roof, which I, which I like the, the look of. So originally, these big arches here, which are all glazed in now, they were all open. It was just meant to be where you could get a bit of shade and a bit of shelter from the rain, but a very much an open structure. And you're saying that this was, used to be this huge building at the back there was the Pink Hotel? Yes, yeah, so that was one of the grand hotels of Hong Kong at the time. You'd have a lot of long-term residents. If you look down the jury lists, you find people lived there for years on end. And then other people would come in and stay here. It'd be a little bit cooler. That was its attraction, you know, up the, the top of the, the hill. So the boiler house actually served the hotel? No, the boiler house was the big big engine room pulling the tram up the hill. Oh, I see. Yeah, that was part of the, the tram terminus there. Oh, so it was all. So the whole peak tram was done by steam? Yeah, great, great big steam engine up the top here. Now, the other thing we can see, the other thing we can see is uh, this little post box down in the corner. So that's been here since, when did we, when did we first have one here? 1892. 
so it's been here well over 100 years. The current one, of course, you can see it's got the Queen Elizabeth um, crown and cipher on it, so it's been replaced at some stage. But yeah, a, a post box on this spot for well over 100 years. So we've got a few dog walkers out, a few joggers, and here we're just starting the walk from the peak along Lugard Road. Now, of course, there's been a bit of controversy over Lugard Road, whether we could turn a house into a hotel. Yes, we'll come along to that a little bit later. It's number 27. It's, uh, well, it's one of the oldest things around here. It was finished in 1916, so it's just coming up to its 100th birthday. Um, and it owes its existence to Lugard Road. Now, Lugard Road's a, a bit of a strange one, because usually when they would build a road at that time, the government would talk about, here's the cost of the road, here's the land that we're going to open up and how much money we'll make from it, and therefore here's the profit. So it was all very straightforward business transaction. But when they talked about building Lugard Road, they say specifically, look, we're not going to get much in the way of land, basically a few, a few plots here and there. It's going to be built as an amenity for the people to come up and enjoy this promenade and a wonderful view out over the harbour. And it, it certainly lived up to that goal. When we think of Lugard Road today, we think of it as one long road, but it's actually built in two very different sections. And when you walk it, you can, you can see why. So we're on the first half. We've just come from the peak tram. And this is the easy half. This was the built... Uh, the half they built first and it's easy because the slope here is not very steep so they could just cut a little notch into the hillside and there you are there's your path <laughs> just like that just like that that's right so this was finished around 1914 now the next section um, we'll see the hillside gets much steeper and there they had to build it up on pillars so that was uh, a more expensive project and they waited until after world war one so that started in 1919 finished 1921 so do you actually have old photos of Lugard? You should ask. <laughs> We've got this uh, postcard, and it just shows the view from the harbour. This is probably about 1920s. And so at that stage, you can see Lugard Road very, very clear, this white line around the peak. And then this little white uh, patch in the middle, this will be number 27. So this time, the peak still very clear of vegetation. So they stand out so, so clearly. Now they're quite hard to see from the harbour, and it sounds odd, but I wonder if in some ways we've got too many trees. Uh, this was built as a, as a promenade to have this great view out over the, the city. And now for quite long sections of it, it, it's very hard to see out through the trees and perhaps a bit of, bit of trimming would make it a bit, bit of a better experience. Why was there, I mean, were the trees subsequently planted? Why, why was the, the hillside bald at that point? Yes, um, the, the hillsides of Hong Kong were, were like that, not just Hong Kong Island, but all back into the new territories. So the change is a combination of two things. Something stopped and something started. The stopping is that people used to come and collect the trees, the twigs, the, the grasses even, for fuel. So you've got grass cutters pass. That's where they used to go and cut. It's quite a woody grass that you could burn. And then in turn, the, the British did a lot of um, planting. Initially, it was planting above the reservoirs to stop the, the soil running down into the reservoirs. So over the years now, the, the Hong Kong we see is very, very different. Yes, as you say, it's very wooded here. Very nice and cool, against the rock face here. Who is it named after, Lugard Road? Lugard, so that'll be after the governor, isn't it? Governor Lugard. So we're now at number 27, Lugard Road. Yeah, so this is the end of that first section. So 1914, the road came this far, opened up this little plot of land, and they started building, finished in 1916, and it's, it's still here today, so nearly 100 years on. It's still a, a residence, pretty much, as it was built. But you can see in front of us a, a whole range of posters they're all talking about plans to turn it into a, a boutique hotel and most of it seems to be objections to that 
Where's that at now? What stage? I'm not quite sure where they've got to. I know they applied and the application, I think, was rejected, but I get the feeling that they're going to keep applying. So the idea is to convert what was a, a small mansion into a hotel involving, I think, about 13 rooms. But I think the key issue, as we walk along this completely quiet pathway rather than a walk, mm. I, you know, I'm a bit surprised at how narrow it is in terms of cars, but there would be quite a, it would generate quite a bit of traffic. Yes, I think if we go right back to 1913, where they're saying this is an amenity for Hong Kong, for people to come up and enjoy the fantastic promenade and the views out, you know, it was meant for, for people to come and walk. It's really not a place for, for driving cars. So that ended the first section. Mm. So then uh, then we get World War One. so everything gets put on hold. And in 1919, they start off from here, and you'll see that uh, the road has to go up on these pillars because the, the cliff is a lot steeper, and that'll take us all the way around to the junction with Hatton Road at the far end. Very challenging work here. I mean, all of this stuff on slopes. Yes, we, we've got some pictures. Somebody sent us of the of the construction work going on when they were building this road. It's quite quite hard to imagine. You really... Well, just very dangerous place to be by the look of it. Yes, and also 100 years ago, or nearly, I mean, they wouldn't have had... You know, there was no bulldozers. No, nope, no bulldozers, no no one, no one, helicopters to fly stuff in. It was all, all done by hand. And mules? Probably mules. I hadn't thought of that. But yes, they did use mules a lot, for certainly in the army. I guess they'd have used them for this as well. It really is a gorgeous walk here along Lugard Road. I'm walking along today with David Bellis of Grulo.com. Thanks so much for all your information, David, today. Got a lady coming towards us, sweeping the path, as you may be able to hear. And uh, just looking down, I mean, it's it's quite a, a, a good view today. There's a bit of uh, what we call haze uh, over some of the hills looking at it back, but uh, generally you can see a, a very clear harbour and all the buildings. Now, had I been here in 1919 when the second section of Lugard Road was being built, what would my view have been? Mm. Well, that would have been a different view, wouldn't it? We wouldn't <laughs> have all these tall buildings in the way. We wouldn't have the trees in front of us, so we'd be able to see straight down to, to pretty much the same uh, starting point for buildings. So the, the buildings today get up as far as Conduit Road, and it's been like that, yeah, since about 1919. Obviously, the buildings themselves get higher, but the slopes just get too steep. They couldn't find more plots of land as you, as you come up the slope. And the harbour would have been bigger? The harbour would be much bigger. This strip of land would only go out as far as Connaught Road. That would have been the, the recent reclamation at the time. Down towards Admiralty, we'd be looking at the big naval dockyard, so we'd see the dry docks, and we'd see the tidal basin with HMS Tamar moored alongside there. Then coming into Wan Chai... That would follow the tram line, where the tram line is today, so along Johnston Road. They'd be just getting, sort of thinking about starting the big reclamation there. That was in the 20s. And then Kellett Island, well, that would still be clearly an island. The, the typhoon shelter would be way back where we have Victoria Park now. North Point, there'd have been a bit of reclamation already, but not much. You'd, you'd see the, the chimneys of the power station, perhaps. Um, you'd see a jetty for the, uh, for the oil storage facility there now they're they're both gone but if you you go and walk along there you'll find there's an oil street and an electric road so they're they're the names of those and looking at the shipping what would we have seen the shipping we'd see we'd see navy ships that's one of the big difference you know the royal navy was this huge presence at the time so you'd see um, navy ships probably moored off in front of the um the naval dockyard down here over in tst where we can see the cruise liner today we probably would have seen a cruise liner then as well that was the big pier 
up there and then coming around to the left we'd have seen more ships and liners in harbour so that the strange thing then, or the surprising thing, is if you look at the old central coastline then, it was really a working port. You've got all these ships loading and unloading, so it's very, very quiet and different now. So we've got some really small <laughs> photographs now. It's amazing, but the definition on, on them is uh, very good. A black and white photo, when, when does this date back to? This one, I guess, about the 50s. You can see the hospital building down on Hospital Road in, in Saiyingpun. Um, that was built in the 50s. But most of the buildings still very low. You can see stone cutters in the back, still very clearly an island. And this area of town, it, it wasn't really a tourist destination, so it's not often we get pictures. So I was really pleased to see this one. And you've got some, some sort of magnifying glass there. Yes, the, the photo itself is probably, what, about mm, less than two inches square. So you're kind of buying it with your fingers crossed. But if you just have a peer through the magnifying glass. OK, I'm just having a look through. Wow, look at that detail. So the one you're looking at in the picture, you can just see down through the gap there. And I think that should be St Stephen's Girls' School. Oh, right. Yeah. So that still exists? Up on Park Road, that's right. And then just across the road from it, there's, uh, or a little bit further down the hill, there's uh, a government primary school, which is quite old, and that'll be on here as well. As we go down to this open area near to the hospital, and you can see some of the old um, well, lunatic asylums when they were built, men mental institutions, and they're still now around as well. One of them's a methadone clinic. And the other one is the one on High Street that was sort of gutted interior, but they've kept the exterior. Just before we leave the old pictures, you're asking what the view across would look like. This one, I think, from the 1920s. It's a, a liner moored alongside the big pier at Kowloon Wharves. That's where Harbour City is in Chimsachoy today. You can see the big dollar sign on the, on the funnel. So this was the dollar line, dollar shipping line. So we're, we're actually heading down now, uh, down a slope, then it'll go back up. Gosh, what a challenge for them to actually turn this into a lovely promenade. So we're coming along to the end of Lugard Road now and we get another little cluster of building plots. For number 22 then, this is a photo that we had from I think the granddaughter of the, the people that were living there in the 1920s right up till the, the war. And it's just this lovely sort of cosy cosy looking house with the fireplace. You can't quite imagine you're out in Hong Kong it looks like somewhere in in the suburbs in Britain, doesn't it? Here, in front of us, I mean, is that... Some of, some of these houses, are, I mean, are they vacant? They're not well kept. Oh, this one's got a much more interesting story. It's been vacant for a long time. We've walked past here. It, sometimes the gate's open. Uh, you can see graffiti on it in places. It's actually an old building. And we, we found this uh, report from someone writing in the late 1970s. Says, I can't remember when I first saw the sweet, sad ghost, but it must have been in our living room, for that was the only place that she ever appeared. She was a child of about 11, with long black hair, and she was wearing a white nightgown with Belgian lace about the collar. I was not in the least frightened by her, but there was something very sorrowful about the child, and she seemed to be asking for help. I didn't mention it to anyone. The children would be scared, the cook would flee, and my husband would laugh. So we've had another also mention of, of this house being a haunted house. This is... Uh, Victoria, oh sorry, Dragon Lodge, this building. So this was a reader who wrote to say that she'd seen... No, well after we found it, we went searching on the web and we found this this person had posted up on the, the internet. And she also talks about meeting someone years later and um, and the lady saying, oh I know that house, there's something about it but but you tell me first. And then they, they mentioned the haunting and she says, yes, yes I know, I've seen her as well. So, ooh, quite creepy. 
Full of thanks, David Bellis there of Gwulo.com, giving me a guided tour of the beautiful Lugard Road. For those of you who've just joined me, welcome to Hong Kong Heritage and its old time slot of 7.45am for the past 17 years. Harvey Stockwin's Reflections from Asia is taking an indefinite break. Hong Kong Heritage now starts at 7.30am on Saturdays, but is also repeated on Sundays at 6.15pm. So, if you'd like to hear David Bellis talking about Lugard Road, which has just been running... You can catch it tomorrow at 6.15 or on the podcast. The work of artist Lorette Roberts can be seen in bookshops around Hong Kong. Colourful sketches that have been turned into calendars, books and greetings cards. She lived here previously for eight years and has continued to love sketching the territory. I join her at Victoria Harbour to see what she's got her artistic eye on. Just right now, there's a sort of great blank, except for one kind of speedboat zooming through. Um, so I would have to wait for a while, um, which I'm happy to do, or I could actually start um, sketching in the, you know, the, the general environment and then wait for something that looks really great, or really good feature or something interesting, or alternatively I might see a pedestrian going along or fishing or something like that. But it's always changing, and every day you come it's going to be different. And, of course, everything you actually sketch is always a memory forever you, you know you just look at the sketch and 20 years later you can remember all the details is hong kong easy to sketch absolutely super because um it's um i wouldn't say it's a mess because that's that's derogatory and it isn't i mean but it's just very casual and people are very genuine and i just love the way there are things lying around and just everything it's just such a mixture strange things are just left somewhere so that's why it's comfortable it isn't rigid and organized and so you often sit in a street and and just and, and with your sketchbook yesterday we were in stone nulla lane uh doing the blue house and it was just great we sat there for about an hour and a half three of us and so many people stopped and talked to us of i mean obviously some tourists so many locals and one or two of the people had actually lived in the blue house and they were saying yeah well we you know we we know this why is it so interesting and all that and but they were all so interested and friendly and that's what i find with sketching is people don't find it intimidating the camera can be a bit of a barrier and i, I found particularly in, in china and vietnam that if i just got my sketchbook out and sat People will come and talk to me and would be interested. And Whereas if I just sit with a camera, I didn't find that. I'm sure some photographers probably don't have the same experience, but um, I just love that. And I get invited into tea to places, and, and we don't, obviously can't <coughs> talk, although we both do in our own languages. But being able to draw, I can just draw little sketches of, you know, like a tiny little person and do you have grandchildren and yes out come the photographs of the grandchildren so you build a really nice relationship and I like to put those sort of things into my books so now how did you book. first begin sketching I've been drawing all my life we we did it as a family you know it was what we had to do as a family I mean it was like mum would say don't come back till to lunchtime and when you do bring a little note a story and a, so I did but because I'm the youngest of five kids, mine was always much worse than everyone else's. So, um, but everyone always used to say how lovely it was, but I knew it wasn't lovely, I mean, it wasn't silly. So, um, 
it took me quite a long time to, to get a lot of self-confidence because I always thought people were just being kind about my work. So. Now, your house back in the UK, I mean, you visit Hong Kong fairly often, but your, your house in the UK is more than 400 years old. Correct. It used to be a farmhouse, um, and the same family, the Button family, lived there for over 300 years, and the, actually the, the area, that little bit of area, is called um, Button Hill, which is quite nice. And we, when we, it was, it needed gentrifying, quite frankly, and so we now have underfloor heating and stuff like that. But we also had the archaeologist in because when we did the floor, we found all coins and a little mirror case, and they were dated back to 1200, which is amazing, really, absolutely fabulous. And the the whole house has a lovely, lovely feeling about it. And we have witch marks because they. Um, at that time, and again also in the Victorian time, they, people were very aware of witches and evil spirits and stuff. So we have a child, there's a child's um, sole of a child's shoe about this size. Um, and it's, pin, it's above the front door, because witches won't come in, apparently. That's the, the feeling. Witches won't come through a front door if there's a sole of a child's shoe or a shoe. And then there's the circles, which are also the witch marks. So the door, they won't go through doors with these circles on them. How fascinating. Yeah, it is absolutely wonderful. And it's traditional Suffolk house, a long, a long house. So. And you've also got a barn. Uh, well, we had... Uh, well, the barn is, is, is too good. It was a cow shed and a piggery. Um, and we have now converted that into a huge art space with windows and stuff. It's a listed building, so we've had to be really careful. And it looks over our pond, which used to be the, the village... Uh, farm pond but it's quite big so we've got a boat on it um, and I run art classes from there obviously and I work in there obviously and my husband has trouble getting me out of there because it's so beautiful. If uh, we as uh, tourists to the UK can actually come to you for art classes? You certainly can, it's, it's really fun and, and I like introducing them to the area because it's, it's a pretty part of Suffolk, we're very close to Aldborough and the history and Framlingham is our nearest town where there's a castle uh, with a lot of history attached to it, and the churches are amazing. Artist Lorette Roberts, who's currently visiting Hong Kong. And now, for something completely inappropriate. Yes, this is where we ask the listeners to put on their tinfoil helmets. These dangerous radio waves are coming. What's this? It's highly inappropriate. Look at this poor little innocent uh, Queen Elizabeth postbox up on the peak. So what's so inappropriate about this postbox? Well, apparently it was confusing to start with. Um, at the start of October, which is the start of our Heritage Fiesta Month, we hear in the newspapers that the, the Hong Kong Post want to cover over the royal ciphers on the postboxes. And the first explanation was that they were confusing, that you might see a cast iron green postbox and then be dazzled, I guess, by the by the king's, the king's or queen's <laughs> crown and just become confused. And I don't know what you do with your postbox, your letters. It's... <sighs> anyway, that was obviously a bit, bit farcical. So we've had the explanation now that the government considers it inappropriate to be showing these uh, royal ciphers, and that's the reason they, they need to be covered. Now, at the time of the handover in 1997, they actually changed them from a sort of bright red colour that you would obviously see uh, uh, previously in the UK um, to uh, the green. Um, but uh, down the bottom, I mean, when we look at the what we class as a royal cipher, that, that will be then the crown, 
Yes, the crown and then the, the name of the, the reigning monarch. So here we've got the E2R, so Queen Elizabeth II. The, uh, the post box here, I thought we'd lost it last year. I came up on a walk last April... Uh, 2014 and the post box had gone and I thought oh typical Hong Kong heritage no another piece gone but there was a little sticker on there and it said it was gone for preservation service and sure enough it came back and it, it's looking fantastic so it, it just seems such a shame that we've had this change of direction and now they have to be be hidden away well how would you cover it up that's a bit of a mystery. They, they say they're going to cover it in a non-destructive way but surely it's going to involve drilling or, or, or something it it just seems you know it just seems a waste of time and effort, really. I think they, they're a valuable little reminder of our past. Well, we could put sort of like a Hong Kong tourism board advert across it. <laughs> so do you think we should start a movement? <laughs> well, I did think we could have a Facebook page of people doing inappropriate things next to, uh, <laughs> next to post boxes, just showing how inappropriate they are. Well, what should we do that's inappropriate? Shall I lean on it here? Oh, viewers, it's a good job this is radio. <laughs> <laughs> we could even post a letter. That would be a bit old-fashioned. Well, they're obviously working. I, I did notice Mr. Xi, Xi Jinping. He was in the, the Queen's carriage just recently, so obviously the inappropriate waves have been, uh, <laughs> been spreading their tendrils. Oh, Xi Jinping went in a royal carriage. Yes, yes, yes. Up in London, went to see the Queen. With the Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> now, um, in terms of um, the post boxes themselves, I mean, that's inappropriate. But surely if we're going to sort of talk about inappropriate colonial post boxes, then we need to look at other factors uh, or other elements of, of Hong Kong that could be equally inappropriate because if we're going to get rid of the E and R um, what about the great big statue of Queen Victoria and that's that's why we need some explanation of what does inappropriate mean that you know we've got Queen Elizabeth uh, name in our roads in our hospital we're looking out over Victoria City towards Victoria Harbour where does it all stop well we could melt her down <laughs> Because weren't they going to look at... Uh, I, I seem to remember that Stitt and Stephen outside HSBC, they were going to be melted down to make armaments during the war. So uh, perhaps... Uh, I was thinking that perhaps Victoria could be used for, the, you know, the high-speed railway tracks. Um, but uh, we've also got George V, haven't we? That's the one in the Botanical Gardens, isn't it? Yes. But I'm not sure your precedent of melting down is a good, good one. That was uh, going to be done by the Japanese during the occupation, so don't think that's something we want to model ourselves on. Very inappropriate. Very indeed. <laughs> now, um, are there any other inappropriate things in Hong Kong? If you're going to worry about the effects of the, the cipher on a post box, we've got our chief executive living in an ex-governor's residence, which was built by the British. And if you look at Chinese history, the, the big bogeymen of the unequal treaties, the first were created by the British Empire and the last were created by the Japanese Empire. And so this, this house he lives in was built by the British and remodelled by the Japanese. It's uh, highly inappropriate again. You know, again, where, where do you stop? Well, perhaps we don't start. And that seems to be the sensible answer. Perhaps we post a letter to the postmistress. <laughs> well, funnily enough, I did that. So I want to get her reply. The government considers it inappropriate to display the crown and the British royal cipher on the old posting boxes that are still in service and is looking into ways to update the markings on these boxes. We will take to care to avoid causing any damage to the royal insignia, which will be preserved. Hmm, but then the confusing thing is, back in 2012, we've got them saying, we think the best way to preserve these iconic items is to keep them in use rather than putting them in museums as historic exhibits. So, really, what's changed? David Bell is there on inappropriate post boxes. David's website is at guulo.com. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>